0: Hi, and welcome to Deep Dive with Jamie Stein, where we take a deep dive look at all things reality TV, pop culture, and the world at large. I'm an intuitive and an empath, which means I pick up on the thoughts, feelings, and energy percolating in other people in the world around me. I believe there is meaning waiting to be found at every turn, if you're willing to see it. So join me as we dismantle everything from trash TV to high spiritual concepts, and learn more about ourselves, each other, and how we're all connected. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Deep Dive with Jamie Stein. Today feels like a doozy. I I need this particular episode because I've been getting very, very, very triggered by this latest season of Real Housewives in New Jersey and this conflict between one Jennifer Aiden and the rest of the cast. I've said on this podcast before, I don't typically get triggered by the Housewives, but every once in a while, there's a cast member or there's a conflict that gets me up in arms and uh, the season of New Jersey is doing it. So I felt a, a very deep need. Need to get into it to sound off to say some things to discharge this powerful energy that wants to flow through me and i thought who better to join me in this little journey than one half of the powerhouse duo that hosts uh, dumpster dive podcast tom hammett hi tom hey uh well, powerhouse that's so kind thank you <laughs> how are you doing today i'm great i'm happy to be here i'm happy to deep dive with you all right good so we're gonna get into New Jersey today, but I felt like maybe before we do that, we're recording this. What is today? Tuesday, March something or other. March fourteenth,
1: fifteenth. Uh, the day that will go down in history is the day that Katie and Schwartz broke up.
0: Yes, the news just broke of the separation, <laughs> not a divorce quite yet, but separation between Tom and Katie. So I feel like we got a lot to get to in terms of New Jersey, but maybe we can just quickly touch on this since it is a breaking news. Do you have any? immediate thoughts impressions
1: before i give my thoughts i do want to say that i love katie and i i like Shorts. fine i do find that he is a bit of a gaslighter with her and i am looking forward to a chapter of her life without him maybe <laughs> and like i don't know i just their their relationship on television kind of played out to me as like as it's as we've progressed it felt like more friendship than relationship and like always been very open about the lack of sexual relationship and, and his just like lashing out. I just, I don't know. I, I almost felt a bit of a relief when I, when I saw this, how did you feel?
0: Yeah, no, I felt similarly. I feel like it was a relationship that's probably better off ending than continuing i mean unless they were really willing to do the deep work right which it didn't really seem like either of them were completely available to that or that they would even necessarily know where to go to truly do the kind of deep work they would need to do to like really get to the bottom of stuff so i agree with you i'm surprised actually i thought they were going to stick this out much Mm. longer and beat it to the ground before they would get out. Probably the show helped in that regard. I think probably Katie seeing things play out on TV probably because it sounds like from Tom's post that this was Katie's decision. So yeah, I agree with you. I'm relieved for her. I just hope for her that she does the work she needs to do. To not repeat similar patterns, I agree with you. I've always been very vocal that I think Tom plays the part of the nice guy, but that, you know, there's a real secret shitster in him and that, you know, he really would use her emotions against her. That said, my feeling for Katie has been that it's worked for her to be with a guy like him. Like I feel like my sense of Katie is that it's felt safer for her to be with this man-child who she gets to mommy than to be with a guy who's really going to step up and meet her as a man. I think that notion for her on an unconscious level is really scary. And I think something about Schwartz, the, like, the little baby, was a lot safer for her. So my hope and prayer for her is that she can maybe start to look at like, what was it in her that sought out a relationship like this in the first place? And how does she get comfortable with those parts of herself she would need to get comfortable with in order to say yes to a more fulfilling relationship? Because I can feel it. It's like, that's where she loses control, I think, when she's in a fulfilling relationship.
1: I agree with all that. I also think that, you know, I'm curious about your thoughts on a lot of these shows and where you can kind of feel the show, where the show's presence is in a relationship. Because, like, I'm curious of how much of their relationship was based around keeping the show going unintentionally. Like, they were bonded together because of this. Like, they started out, they were together right when the show began as this, like, fun party couple. And then as, as the show progressed, they kind of became the rock for the show that no one kind of maybe saw coming. And then as the show crumbles, these relationships crumble Not only theirs, but like I think a lot of the Vanderpump cast like relationships crumble. And I wonder like how much of the show's demise like leans into these people's demises as well. Do you know what
0: I'm saying? Yeah, well, especially because with Vanderpump Rules, for me, it feels a little bit like the chicken and the egg because I feel like that show in a way was a reflection of the codependency and collusion that already existed within this group. You know, like this group just felt so bound together in their little insular way. And then in a way, that's what the show was about. Just this kind of claustrophobic world that orbits around Sir. And just even how if you broke out of that, you'd be breaking out of the show. And then if you break out of the show, it jeopardizes the show. So it just felt like the two things were feeding each other like that this was a group that already kind of was so invested in their codependent dynamic and like even if the show weren't there that they would want to kind of keep everyone in place because if you remove one like piece of the jenga puzzle the whole thing's (laughs) comes crashing down and then they have to like deal with themselves but then that also is like the very basis of the show itself if that makes sense completely makes sense
1: yeah i just it's interesting and the weird bizarre coincidences of like so much happening to these group of friends when no cameras are up anymore it's bizarre because if that's not that's the opposite of how the show used to operate like the show used to operate where cameras up jenga pieces are flying out of the tower right and then like now all of a sudden like cameras go down and lala and ran break up james and raquel break up these two break up like i don't know it's, it's just it's a what the show has become it's just very different i don't know
0: Oh, well, I heard a rumor online. I mean, I don't know how much legitimacy this has, but I had a rumor that one of the things they're thinking about for season 10 is bringing back all the OGs and basically like really reducing Lisa's part in it, kind of writing Lisa off and letting it be basically a candid reality show following the lives of the OGs. Yeah, you know, I heard that. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Which, you know, I think that's probably, you know, from a television standpoint, like the right organic move, because at the end of the day, I mean, to your point, these people, they do have genuine relationships with one another. And drama is popping, even when the cameras are down. And it's just their lot. These are well cast reality stars, kind of like the the cast members from Summer House. They are just dramatic, fiery people who always have stuff going on. And I feel like if you put a camera on them, there's going to be stuff going on. And I think If you can break it out of that Lisa Vanderpump bind, which keeps it sort of locked in the stagnant place and just let them be who they are now, which, you know, they're these sort of D-list reality stars, you know, trying to make it all work in L.A. You know, that probably is a compelling show.
1: It is. I don't know why we weren't there the whole time. (laughs) Like, I wonder if that has a lot to do with Lisa being
0: a control freak and wanting her grasp on the show. I mean, you know, it's something to consider. I mean, they're basically literally talking about writing her off, which I just think there's something to me that's just so delicious about that in terms of just who who she's always been and how she's always wanted control of every show she's been on. And ultimately, it's that desire for control from Lisa Vanderpump that is always her undoing because it's like her control can only last so long. It always creates the suffocating conditions that ultimately force the other people to want to break out of it. So whether it's her castmates on Beverly Hills kind of rebelling against what she's doing and railroading her off the show, or it's whether it's, you know, the employees of Sir kind of rising up. And, you know, at some point, it's like a biblical story. It's like the more you try to grip control of, you know, the people and places around you, the more it's going to ultimately just slip out of your control. How embarrassing! Written off two shows now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't know yet. We don't know. This, these are the no, rumors. No, I know. you're right. You're right. You're
1: right. You're right. <laughs> I wish all good things for both Katie and Tom. I, I hope that this is the right decision for them. Whatever makes them happy. Mostly Katie.
0: Yeah, and Tom. You know, I just feel like he's one of those guys or people who, if he could just have space to claim and own his rage, it would just change his life. Like that to me is just what i get off him this is just a guy who's got so much underground rage and he's so he learned early on he's got to be a good boy and there's some messaging in there that he's not allowed to have his anger and it makes him so (laughs) passive aggressive because he's clearly got so much strong energy that wants to come through him so for Katie, I hope that, yeah, she can kind of get clear on what it is in her that's sort of scared of that vulnerability of really being an equal partnership with the man. And Tom, I hope he has space where, you know, he can just really get to know his own anger and where it comes from and what it has to say and be more direct with people. Own his power, own his energy.
1: There's a lot to Tom, too, like when you really think about it. I think the, his family situation is a little all over the place. Like he is like a self- proclaimed like golden child of the family, you know, like the movie star of the family that went off to Hollywood. I I don't know. There's a lot there with him. That's confusing. He's literally like dopey, like on the show. He's dopey. But like in reality, like I don't think he actually is such a little angel.
0: Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. No. Yeah. I mean, no, he we've got enough information to know that was a strange household. I mean, his brother's I forget now, like we're afraid to fly or couldn't figure out how to fly. I think same thing with his father. I mean, clearly, there was strange stuff going on in that household. and he's the one that got away. No, absolutely. I feel like he's not Mr. Nice guy, and he's not dopey. And I feel like hes, like I said, I think he's got a lot of strong energy inside him that he's learned to disown because there's some part of him that feels like he's got to play this part of the Nice Golden Boy who does everything perfectly. And I think he's outraged about it, just outraged about it. I'm happy to never hear Bubba again, honestly though. Oh, it was the worst. It was <laughs> the worst. Are we really gone for from- <laughs> I just have this image of the show's going to come back. They're both going to be on it as divorces. And somehow, we're still going to have to hear Bubba. They're going to call each other Bubba, like, all the time. Like, when they see each other at parties, like, hey, Bubba. And what if he has a new girlfriend? I mean, is she going to be called Bubba? No, there's only one Bubba. <laughs> Bubba! Oh, God, it's so horrible. I hate
1: it. I hate it so much. And then the artwork. But will we ever do the artwork? The Bubba artwork.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll get an episode where they ritualistically burn the Bubba artwork, and we can all feel...
1: <laughs> no way. I, Andy Cohen has that, like, being FedEx to him right now. <laughs>
0: overnighted (laughs) well then he can deal with the curse of bubba in the clubhouse true 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 all right well i feel like we've done our due diligence to tom and katie may that relationship rest in peace (laughs) shall we turn our sights to new jersey let's do it there's so much to get into i know so i'm coming with receipts today i've been doing some googling i've got instagram posts i want to read like i'm ready to dive into this and to parse it out because i get so heated about what's going on the season Before I do that, maybe I'll just sort of generally check in with you. Like, where are you at in terms of this primary conflict between Jen and the rest of the women? So, at the core of it, Jen is so broken.
1: And I feel like we've known that kind of, like, the whole time. Like, no one... Since she's been on the show, the way she lashes out, like, there was always darkness with her to me. Like, the way she lashed out forever. So, it felt to me expected that there would be a season that broke her. And we're getting that. And I am kind of speechless at the way she is just like, just open to appearing on camera so raw and broken. Like, she looks, and I mean this not because of the plastic surgery, she literally looks different to me. Like, her sadness is like overwhelming. And, It just really is hard to see. And like very dark scene of Dolores and her in their basement talking about like what it's like to date cheaters. It's like, y'all, like this is not okay. Like it's, I wish that someone taught all these women to stand up for themselves. Like so many of them haven't. I, I just feel like, I feel like across the board, actually, a lot of them just don't. That's something that a lot of them don't do. They don't stand up for themselves to men or it takes them a bit to do so. And once again, I'm not a woman And I'm on straight. So who am I to say how that experience is like, but like, she is breaking my heart a little bit in the way that she's reacting to all this and seeing Bill also the way he just sat back and like, let her just stand up for herself alone was just that also was very, very hard to watch for me. But Overall, <laughs> I like watching the show because they're all kind of cuckoo bananas <laughs> and they all have so much darkness that it's fun to see a show. Sometimes where like, we're all meeting on the same level of like crazy and not not all different levels. I feel like they all have an equal amount of problems.
0: Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I've always thought that Jen has shown up pretty i mean i'm hearing the the voices of protest as i say what i'm about to say so um i'll say a few thoughts all at once i mean to me she's always shown up pretty raw and real and authentic the voice Uh i hear is yeah obviously especially when she first came on she came on strong in terms of being very invested in her home and her lifestyle and portraying herself in a certain way although to me that felt Maybe not true to who she is in her core, but true to who she is in life, (laughs) meaning like I didn't feel put on for the camera. It felt to me like this is who this woman is in her life. I mean, I actually have a lot to say to that because I'm one of the few people who liked Jen from the beginning. I liked her from her first season. I've always liked Jen. I have a soft spot for Jen. And I mean... Basically, when Jen sort of came on the scene and she came on really strong, you know, I remember like they went somewhere. I want to say like Wyoming or something. They went to some, you know, Oklahoma,
1: no, Oklahoma, Oklahoma. because she had to apologize to Oklahomans, I believe.
0: <laughs> yeah. So they went to Oklahoma and Jen was snobby and she was coming on strong and she was acting pretentious and she was acting rude and she was like bragging about her house and she was bragging about the view. But the thing that I really remembered in terms of my experience of that was, you know, there's someone like Heather Dubrow, for example, who just to me, although she's a little different this season, but typically Heather Dubrow is just very snobby and snotty and superior. The vibe I got off Jen that season as she was sort of boasting about her home and the view was this is like an odd duck. She just felt weird to me. She felt eccentric. She felt like she didn't know how to fit in. And I really felt fundamentally like this was a woman who was trying to connect with the others and that she was someone who was genuinely excited about her house, (laughs) genuinely excited about where she lives, genuinely excited about the view, and wanted to share that with the other women as a way to connect. Now, Was it misguided? Yes. Was it tone deaf? Yes. Like I said, she felt tone deaf and eccentric and a little weird, but I didn't feel like it was necessarily superior or snotty. And then what I remember of that trip is that Margaret actually confronted her about how she was behaving and how rude it was to the host. And what I really remember was Jen actually took it in. And she actually apologized. And then I remember her running off to the little trailer or wherever it was. She didn't want to sleep and like, you know, making a go of it. And I remember when I saw that, I was like, you know what? She's, she's a good sport. Like she heard what Margaret had to say and she took responsibility for her behavior and she made a change. And so for me, from the beginning, even though Jen is clearly flawed and oftentimes her own worst enemy, and we'll get into that. And I do think, yes, she gets very reactive. She's very quick to, like, get in there with her own insult. I have always sensed her heart. You know, I've sensed her desire to connect with others. And I've also sensed her ability and willingness to look at herself. And I feel like we've seen her settle into that more and more over the seasons climaxing now Where to your point, like, she's not deflecting this. I mean, from that first party when Margaret brought up the affair, like, she didn't sit there and deny it. She was like, yeah, that happened. And she's owning her feelings, you know, in a way that to me feels actually very powerful. I actually love that scene with Dolores. I thought that was one of the most powerful scenes in Housewives history.
1: I I don't mean to say I didn't like it. It was just like, it was real. Like, one of the more real things we've seen, like... In a while, I feel to me like it it was how she was just straightforward, like, I'm not over this, like to Dolores about you thought you were over it 10 years ago and 10 years later, you're not. It it was something like that. And she replied like, I, you know, I'm not. So my only thing, though, with her and I don't think these two are similar necessarily in many ways, but I'm just going to use this comparison for a second. She reminds me of Noella in a couple ways in the way that they feel they were like manufactured in a factory to be housewives. Like like she bought that house to be a housewife. There's this like famous... I'm talking about Jen now. Jen like famously tweeted. Did you see this tweet no. like forever ago where it was like 2008 and she was like at Bravo Andy like I would be the perfect New Jersey housewife or something like that. Like she's manifested housewife. I think she's built everything in preparation for these moments. So like I feel like up until last season she was like cooking along as like oh i'm doing it i'm doing it i'm i'm changing the game i'm making my imprint all this stuff and then what happens to most housewives is they hit like a real reality moment and they're like oh what did i do
0: this is what i would say though and this is why i think a lot of the women are triggered by her I'm not going to disagree with you. Well, first of all, I think she's right. She is a perfect housewife, but just in the sense that she's she's flashy, she's flamboyant, you know, she's emotional, she's raw, she's funny. You know, I think she's a perfect mix of everything. Obnoxious, but heartfelt. It's all there. But what I want to say is, is she that different from a lot of the other women? And I feel like there's a way, though, that Jen owns it. I think there's two things about her. I think, one, she's very visible in it. So there's a way that she's obnoxious in it, which I think can be very triggering for the other women. So, I mean, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I personally feel one of the reasons why Melissa is so triggered by her is because she is a mirror reflection of Melissa. Melissa, and I say this with some respect, she's a savvy woman. She is a savvy, clever, smart woman. And I think she knows how to dress things up so it doesn't look like... She's trying to be the perfect housewife, but yet that's exactly what she's doing. Here comes Jen, who's so kind of messy about it, over the top about it. And I do think it becomes a mirror for her, which is why it's so triggering to her. And I also think there's a way that Jen kind of... Owns it. I don't quite know what I mean by that, but I just feel like with Jen, it's kind of like what we're saying with Margaret. Margaret drops the bomb about her husband and she's like, Yeah, it's true. I feel like if you present Jen with stuff, she's like, Yeah, you know what? I am who I am. I'm doing what I'm doing. Like there is something, even though I feel like the women are always telling her, You're fake, you're this or that. The fact of the matter is, I think she has some of the realest storylines on the show, like the stuff with her family. She puts it out there in a way that I don't think Melissa. Necessarily does. So I think sometimes what we're seeing is a woman who really is sort of standing in as like a huge blinking neon reflection for shadow aspects of some of these other women, at least. You've really
1: the comparison to Melissa is perfect. I was I was thinking that like because Melissa did the Gen move before uh, anyone did when she came on the show. She her like entrance on the show was just so messy. Like that season three entrance was. I I recently rewatched Jersey from the beginning because I hadn't done it in a long time. It was like maybe towards the end of twenty twenty, early twenty twenty one, and I was just. I continue to, like, get more on Teresa's side of, like, you came onto my show, like, almost unannounced. And I understand unannounced is a lot. Like, they all had to know they were going to the christening that day, blah, 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 blah. But Melissa came on ready to be the Tamra, right? Like, she was like, I'm the hot new wife to mix it up and really was trying to be the housewife. You're absolutely right. And she's somehow learned how to become more relatable. Like She just plays new storylines every season to try and see what works. And I think you're right. That is what gets under her skin about Jen. Because Jen is just like, I'm doing it better
0: than you ever did. Well, and I do it obviously. And I'm getting away with doing it obviously. I think that's the part that chaps Melissa. Because... I agree with you. And this is why I say she's savvy. I mean, and I really do mean this with respect. I think Melissa is a smart, savvy woman. And I think she completely knows how to read the room. She obviously has her finger on the pulse of the viewership. And yes, you see her modulate herself every season based on kind of what the reaction is out there in the cosmos. And like I said, I mean, she's really good at it, but she knows how to do it in a subtle way. So much so, like to your point, you forgot who she was when she came on the show. And by the way, I did too for a a minute or two. In recent seasons, she's just become more and more kind of louder and more visible to me in terms of her machinations. But she did a fucking good job of like reeling it in and repositioning. And so, yeah, I think there's clearly something in Melissa around that kind of people can't see the wheels turning like that's her voice. It's like you can't let them see the wheels turning. There's something about that in that it's some sort of I mean, it feels shameful. It feels like an admission of power in some way. If people can see how badly I want this and how invested I am in it, that's like the loss of power. And that's the place where I can be shamed. So I'm going to do it all behind the scenes in secret. I'm going to make it look and sound so good. And all my bases are covered. So, yeah, when fucking Jen like stumbles into the party drunk half out of her mind, you know, I mean, figuratively and literally, I'm thinking about her like falling down drunk at a pool party. But that's kind of like a metaphor for who she's been on the show. Right. And she just does it and she gets away with it. And I can just feel this part of Melissa that is like it is no fucking fair that you get away with this while I have to like do everything stealthily in secret. And by the way, as Melissa, the voice that's coming to me is, and I'm better looking and I'm more talented and I have more to offer and I'm smarter. So why the hell do you get to stumble around and make mistakes? And I don't.
1: It's shocking that it, it hasn't, she's never pulled the better looking card on the show with anyone in general. Like it feels not beneath Melissa to pull that. Don't
0: you think like, cause she knows that's what I'm saying. She knows. Yeah, verbally say it
1: like, We've never had someone really say I feel like that's not a that's not a storyline we've ever had on the shows
0: of a woman just being like, "Yo, I'm hotter than you."
1: It but, feels like something she would do.
0: Well, <laughs> it exists in the sidelines. I mean, I mean, look, let's not forget the single she came in with about on display, martyring herself for being on display. Everyone's looking at her, everyone wants to be her. But then she named her store Envy. You know, I've never really I've never thought about that. Her literal currency is envy people look at me other women look at me and they envy me and what i've got it's there it's there in the you know like i said in the sidelines in the in the shadows in the in the languaging but she'll never outright own that energy because she knows how it looks and how it sounds
1: envy's a better name for a gay bar anyways
0: (laughs) it's just so i'm like really sitting with it it's almost like i'd rather she own that because she has so much energy there. Like you can Uh feel, I mean, you're kind of saying it, right? Like you can feel that part of her that just wants to be like a self-obsessed bitch, you know, who's like, I'm prettier than you. Not that
1: back to do it. Like she holds it back from being the self-obsessed bitch
0: completely. And it's not that I would encourage her to be a self-obsessed bitch, but what I can feel is there's so much energy there. So it's like, if she let herself know whatever part of this in her this is, I have to imagine there's like a higher self version of that. I mean, she feels Melissa always feels to me the temptress. She feels like an Eve archetype because she is look, she's beautiful, you know, and it's not just about her physical beauty. There's something she's like sensual. She's sexual. She's cunning. She's smart. She's savvy. She's like the dark feminine to me, you know, and it's interesting that I'm saying that because when I was talking about her sort of modulating herself based on audience perception, it made me think, even though tonally they're very different, it made me think of Lisa Rinna. But I've thought of kind of like the higher self version of Lisa Rinna in a similar way of like the archetype of the dark feminine, like this sort of strong, sexy feminine who can like lure you into her web. And it's like, you don't fucking mess with her because she's kind of like destroy you and then build you back up and there's something really powerful about that energy you know it's like kali it's a strong archetype and i feel that in melissa but it just feels so disowned and so it sort of comes out in these sort of other what i might say distorted ways
1: now do you think that Teresa thinks she is all the things you just said like i feel like she thinks she is what melissa is and that's why she wishes she was what melissa is in so many ways You know, this is a little dark, but I always feel like there's a jealousy of Melissa's relationship with Joe and like Teresa is jealous of Melissa because she's closer to Joe than Teresa is, I think, in so many ways. Like she loves her brother so much and like there's darkness and jealousy in the way that Melissa has been able to like slither through life that I wonder what of Melissa, Teresa thinks she has, but she maybe doesn't really
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I haven't spent too much time like kind of feeling into the two of them. I mean, it has felt just plain and simple, like a lot of competition in the sense that I think Teresa is used to being the star of the show. I think she's used to being, I want to say like the cherished girl in the family. You know, the thing about Teresa and let me just Qualify this by saying, I don't know what happened with you when you watched Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip, but I became an Teresa's unapologetic fan. Teresa <laughs> fan. She can do no wow. wrong in my eyes anymore. She's never like again. spreading rumors about people. You know what, Teresa? You go <laughs> yes, <laughs> do your reason, thing, girl.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no, i know. Gl- I've never loved someone like like I have her on that show. I mean, she just was
0: glowing the whole time. I was shocked. I mean, because I used to not like Teresa. I mean, you know, again, back in the day, I mean, I remember really not being on her side when the Gorgas came on. I just got so frustrated with, obviously, all the things that we see in her, right? She's a very frustrating person. But yeah, on Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip, like, her vulnerability, her shocking level of, like, self-awareness that she never seems to show on the actual mothership show of New Jersey… And even just the way she was navigating Melissa, where it really felt like Teresa in a lot of ways sees her for who she is, she still may not like her as a person, but she understands at this point, look, it's my sister-in-law. She's on the show. I'm just going to give her that grace. And there was just a kind of, I don't know if I'm going to call it a maturity, but there was something about the way she showed up on Girls Trip that just felt so vulnerable And demonstrated a growth I had never seen from her before. And I felt, even though obviously this guy is not necessarily the best news, I felt her deep investment in wanting this relationship to work. And I just, my heart just opened to Teresa in a way that I never thought possible. And now I'm just a tree hugger through and through.
1: I get it. I completely agree. And seeing her next to Ramona, you really understood how dumb Ramona is. (laughs) Like, oh, Teresa? If Teresa can fully tell you like she read Ramona immediately in those moments. Like she got her immediately. She's like, you're not a girl's girl. Like she would catch her up on her words and be like, you're not. Like that Italian dinner they had like she was like, just immediately was like, Ramona no. And it's like She just read her immediately, but she can't read a lot of people in the state lines of New Jersey (laughs) oftentimes.
0: Well, it's almost like what comes to me. I almost wonder if there was a relief for her around not having to be the star of the show. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. You know, like she's not carrying this, it's not her vehicle. She even, you know, talked about it on Girls Trip about how, you know, filming New Jersey is never fun for her. It's kind of like it's bread and butter. It's her conflict and her family strife. To So to be able to go into a project where the whole thing isn't on her shoulders and where she doesn't have to necessarily commodify her pain and her struggles. I wonder if there was just some breathing room there that she doesn't normally have. And maybe it just allowed her to relax a little bit.
1: I think that that's exactly it. She... Puts a lot of pressure on herself, I'm sure, when the cameras go up in Jersey. That Because in the end, she needs that check. Like, she's very wealthy, but she needs it. Like, she's running a whole household of girls that are, I mean, we're not, the youngest is not out of college for another 10 years. Like, we've got, we need steady income coming in. And, like, I think that she knows that the show needs to continue to get better and, like, just be successful. I think she knows she has to be on. And on Girl's Trip, it was an easy check and she got to relax into it.
0: Yeah, the burden wasn't on her shoulders so much. So just to circle back around to where this all started, you know, I think with Teresa, one of the things that I'm always aware about with her, and I feel like it never gets talked about, and yet it's like, Probably the number one thing that I'm most drawn to about her story is the fact that she and Joe are first generation Americans and that her parents were literally immigrants to this country. And just what that experience must have been like for her to grow up as a young, as a girl and as a young woman in this really traditional Italian, Italian American household. And she revealed at a reunion recently, she was not allowed to go to college because she was a woman. I mean, that's how conservative it was. And I know everyone loves Nono, and I get it. But even in his old age, when he was near death, you could see. I mean, this was a guy, you know, he definitely had a strong energy. We know he and Joey Gorga had a strained relationship. I mean, it did not feel like she was growing up in a household that uh, maybe was necessarily welcoming of all voices and all feelings. And so the reason why I'm just saying this is, you know, when I think, back to this notion of Teresa's investment in being kind of the cherished girl of the family, I feel like she probably does have a lot of stock and currency in that because that's where she could have her power. That's where she could have her currency like as a human being. like there were so many things being denied her by virtue of just being a woman. and I think there were so many things she wasn't allowed to say and to express. It feels like what she did have was, oh, Teresa, you're the star of the family. You're the special girl. You you know, you're the princess of the family. And I think obviously we see she was so accustomed to that and she played that part so well. So, yeah, I think when Melissa comes in, and I think probably Melissa did come in, you know, with that energy that we're talking about of like, Melissa wanted something. You know what I mean? She wanted something. She was getting it in terms of Joey and her relationship with Joey. You know, there was a lot of talk back then about Melissa kind of aping Teresa's style. I could see that. Like, Melissa wants to be the star of the show. So you've got Teresa, and obviously I'm speaking metaphorically here, right, before the show even existed. Teresa's used to being the star of the show. It means a lot to her because it's kind of her domain in this family system. And then here comes Melissa kind of angling in from the sidelines being like, no, wait, I want some of that spotlight. I want to be the star of the show. I want to take your brother from you. So yeah, I mean, to me, it's always just felt like this clash of wills between two women, who both want to be the star. Absolutely. That's the show.
1: Like, sometimes want more of their fighting sometimes, or their... Because I feel like they there was almost, like, a truce written up off camera that was just like, we have to be done with this. Like, we can't fight any longer. But it's clear that to me that they don't like each other, but they... They might love each other, but they don't like each other. Maybe that's a like don't want to be in each other's presence. The show makes them do that. But I think they're grateful for the show to keeping their family together.
0: Yeah, it is so interesting. It's like I feel like, yeah, there's simultaneously a kind of maturity to it where I feel like they both have kind of understood we've got to kind of let this go for the sake of the show and the family. Which I think is right, you know, and that's what I'm saying. I think there's, there's a patience that they practice with one another now that in some ways is really refreshing because you never see that on housewives. You rarely see people really being willing to let the other person just be who they are and to kind of accept the limitation. But to your point, I also think you're right that there's just so much underground resentment there that's never quite getting named that feels so alive and juicy. And, um, you know, it would be interesting if we could somehow go to those deeper levels. I think it was just frustrating because they were never really taking it to that deeper level. So the show seasons three, four and five just kind of kept circling the same thing over and over so it's like either you gotta like deepen this and go to the real stuff and stop fighting about sprinkle cookies or you know who like said what i want christmas card or else you gotta just like call the truce and be okay with each other
1: i also on the record hate sprinkle cookies so i'm on Teresa's side on that (laughs) like i said i'm on
0: Teresa's side with everything now like
1: (laughs) i mean same the only thing well okay i gotta know though like where are you at with Teresa somehow comparing like Marge's actions to Jen, like her thought process of like what she did to Jackie and what Marge did to Jen about how she's like, what I did wasn't (laughs) as bad because it was a lie.
0: Well, I I know this is strange. Okay. I want to be clear. I don't condone what Teresa did. um, And I have my thoughts about that, about why she was triggered by Jackie. Even though I like Jackie more this season, I think that Jackie does position herself as i think she gets a lot of mileage out of being the victim like there's kind of a victimization energy to jackie and i think for Teresa, who has like been this soldier throughout her life and taken so much on the chin and then of course the last few years like literally went to jail held her family together went through this divorce I just kind of get this sense that Teresa looks at Jackie and just sees this kind of like weakling who has it all. And it's like, why do you get it all? And what the fuck are you complaining about? (laughs) Like, And kind of like, yes, this is that feeling of like, I can't afford to be weak. I don't get that space. I don't get that permission. I mean, kind of like what I was saying. it just feels like there is so much that wasn't allowed in Teresa's experience and her upbringing. You know, like I gotta be strong. I gotta be tough. I gotta hold it together. I don't get to indulge these kinds of feelings as a girl as a woman and then yeah i think to sort of look across the way and see jackie with like her perfect life the house the husband and she's even acknowledged like she finds evan really attractive he's her type of guy i just i want to take her down like her weak uh, when i say weakness this is from Teresa's perspective her weakness infuriates me because it's not something that i'm allowed to have and it's not something i feel like i can afford to have and i think especially coming out of like the prison sentence I just get the sense with Teresa there's a lot she still hasn't processed. <laughs> and I think that there's just a lot of shell shock, not just from what's happened recently, but perhaps even going back as far as childhood, like she hasn't fully processed the impact of all these experiences and the messaging yeah. that she's gotten, yeah. which is part of why I think she's so invested with Louie. I think she wants her happy ending. I also think she wants a guy who's going to take care of her. I think she's so tired of being the woman in charge I don't think she wants to hold it together anymore. I think she wants a guy who she feels like will take care of her. So anyways, I know I'm going far afield. That was kind of my sense of like why she was going after Jackie that season with kind of a delightful cruelty in her her mischievous grin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, all of that totally
1: makes sense. I just, I don't, I don't understand how she can... She has this ability. I think her superpower, right? If she was a superhero, she can conv- just like convince herself of her own shit. She really can convince herself that what sh- when she <laughs> spread a lie, it was better than when Marge <laughs> just spread the truth. Like, what does that... Though, I don't even know if those things are comparable.
0: I mean, I... Okay, I actually understand her point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let me try to articulate I, I get what she's saying. It's like... I think where Teresa goes wrong is that she still refuses to admit that what she did was wrong. I think that's where she, like, she loses the plot. Like She still tries to justify that somehow it was okay. So let me just say, I don't condone what Teresa did. Obviously, what she did was cruel and spiteful and deeply problematic. And in an <laughs> ideal world, Teresa would just take ownership of it, which she has not done right. to this day.
1: I think what, we're, what both of us are not saying, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that she... Cannot acknowledge that she did it for the show. Like she can't acknowledge that she was like, let's, it's been COVID. Like we got to film. Let's, let's figure out something. I kind of always hated you. Like let's go. Cameras are on now. But, like, she, that's not something we can talk about. Like, that's not a reasoning that she can say on a reunion and they leave it in. You know, like, she can't just be like, I hated you, so I spread a rumor about you. Because we needed a storyline for the show. Well, do you, do you think she's that? You know? I mean,
0: do you think she's that? Calcu-
1: it's hard for me with Teresa. I
0: mean, I, but I mean, let's go back to Melissa stripper game, right? Think about that situation. I'd have to revisit that. I mean, I don't have an official. So you think she definitely set that up? Well, she set in that that finale of season four she set that up
1: stripper gate thing so like i don't think she's above setting things up like i don't think she's a bad person but like i don't know that she's above getting a good story for the show and she just i think jackie said to her about well you clearly don't control your husband or you wouldn't have gone to prison i mean that was fucked up what jackie said I think she never let that go and she's just waiting for a great moment to like get back at her for that in a real, real way. And I think she maybe heard a rumor from a DM somewhere that Evan had gotten jerked off in a sauna somewhere. And she was like,
0: Let's go, girl. Well, Teresa's not the only one who's been hearing those rumors. I mean, I don't I don't really yeah, want to I get into that, that part too. of things, but No, I heard that too. That there's still rumors going around. Well, it's on the show. I mean, no one really wants to talk about this, but last season, Margaret Joe. Said on camera, I heard these rumors too, and then, I mean, I don't know if now's the time to get into it because it's going to leave a lot of threads hanging loose, but I want to talk about what Frank told Bill, who then... Related to Jennifer, which this keeps getting like lost in the scuffle of the fight. Frank's denying it now. I don't believe for one second that Bill Aiden is lying about what Frank said. So I just want to say, I mean, we'll get there, but I just want to say in the world of the show, there have been multiple people saying that these rumors exist. Now, I'm not saying that's justification for Teresa bringing it out. I'm getting so triggered by the way that Jen is being crucified and vilified for like all of this drama and literally everyone and their mother saying, oh, she's just a bad person. Admit she's just a bad person when there is so much else going on that is contributing to what led to this moment. And it's not all Jen's fault. And I mean, I want to I'll just leave that there for right now, because I do want I feel like we. Opened up some things I just want to circle back around to. I mean, as far as like Teresa and, you know, comparing what she did, I guess for me, Teresa saying that it's different because she spread a rumor versus spreading the truth, I guess that only (laughs) makes sense in hindsight. I mean, I guess the truth is Teresa didn't know that that was a quote unquote rumor at the time. Or she didn't know that it would be treated as a rumor. I mean, I guess in hindsight, like from 2020 perspective, I was like, oh, yeah, I get what she means. Like they're saying this isn't true. So she's just spreading idle gossip, whereas Margaret's like bringing out something that's true. But as I'm saying that, I'm realizing I'm only saying that. Because Jen has acknowledged that it's true. And Mm -hmm. Evan and Jackie are saying it's a lie. For all we know, it could be the exact same thing. I mean, Evan really could be cheating. Or Jen could have said, you know what? That's absolutely not true. And it would have been dead in the water. So I guess you're right. There's really no difference between what the two of them
1: (laughs) did. They both did a really shitty thing that they shouldn't have done. It's it's fucked up. There are other things that could have... And this is why I did not like teresa at the beginning of last season and this is why i continue to have issues with margaret is because like i went back and watched the scene and i don't i still don't know why i'm I'm transitioning to margaret right now why margaret said that in that moment like that she was ready she felt so like calculated and ready to dive into the season like it just felt so put on to me and like i just don't think she thought about like well, or maybe she did think about it. The consequences that something like that could have on Jen's whole family.
0: Yeah, well, let's get into it, right? Because now we're we're getting into yeah, we're it. Sure. Let's do it. So I want to... If you'll indulge me, I brought up these Instagram posts because... Oh, yeah, yeah, Receipts. I forgot about that. Give it to me. I love a receipt. Because Melissa... Margaret, a lot of what they're saying is, you know, Margaret saying, well, she just says the worst things. And she started it with this comment that she made on Instagram. And certainly Melissa has and Joey Gorga have a lot to say about what Jennifer Aiden said on Instagram. And this is where I start to get so fired up because I understand there's a broader context. But in terms of this specific fight, which they are referring to, I want the record to show to get very schoolyard. Melissa started this. So I'm going to read you. So on May 19th, 2021, in honor of the reunion, last year's reunion, Melissa posted this post. There's a picture of her with Andy and with all the other women. Tonight... Hashtag R-H-O-N-J reunion. I've been reading all your comments and I know how much you love the season. Believe me, we are on them for it being such a short one. We hear you. Notice I posted everyone except for one person who I feel is truly happy when family and friends are divided. Probably because she would throw her own mother under the bus for TV. Or it would make Teresa happy. I've been on the show a long time and I know fake and conniving when I see it. When you don't come for someone at all and they are constantly trying to put you down and trying to cause rifts in your relationships, that's a huge red flag envy baby they might want to try to be the fun tipsy one like you but they fail and just look sloppy lots of skeletons in the closet over there i'm nice until i'm not pay attention everyone you will see it i love you all thank you for your support always this is what melissa came out of the gate with i mean there's so much to unpack just even in that post right so what jennifer does (laughs) which you know not taking the high road although i think it's kind of funny she posts in response An article from 2018 saying Real Housewives of New Jersey, Melissa Gorga caught selling fake Chanel bags in Envy Boutique. Customers claim that requests for refunds have gone unanswered. So she posts that article, which I I get. I think it's kind of funny that she did that.
1: Oh, I think it's hilarious.
0: (laughs) So then Melissa comments on it. Yeah, this is getting old. Was expecting this crying laughing emoji. You've been saying the same shit since you got on. Got anything new? I think you're the one that uses everyone around you for storyline. Let's be real. Your whole family, which I have to pause there. I mean, just the richness of Melissa criticizing her for using her family as a storyline. Okay. Nothing ever about you. Got anything new? Not trashy, classy, and still going strong. A lot harder in the housewives world than being the hot mess. Get it? It's been 11 years for me. Kiss my ass. So in response to that comment jennifer comments this melissa gorga wow you really are stupid you only got on because of teresa and that kills you the audience has learned more about me in three years than they have of your measly 11 your fake baby and sister that never was and oh wait (laughs) divorce divorce yeah right All they see is your self-absorbed, obsessed, envious behavior. I am my family and I share it more than you ever had the guts to do. Go embarrass your daughter some more because you and your crooked family got nothing else. Girl, (laughs) bye. So this is what sets the whole thing off. Look, there's so much to say and I want to check in with you. But what I just want to say first and foremost is just what's part of what's driving me crazy about this is like the way the women on the cast frame this as... Can you believe what you she did? And can you believe what she said? And she made these posts on Instagram and she called our family crooks, which I have stuff to say about that as well. Therefore, she deserves what we're throwing at her. And in Margaret's case, she deserves, you know, to have her skeletons thrown out there. I mean, I know there's more to Margaret's story and I'll get into that in a moment, but I just want the record to show fundamentally in terms of the specific squabble, Melissa went there first and jen was responding to what she said i'm not saying that jen's like blameless in this but this narrative that they're writing that she's just this like shameless instigator who started everything and they're these innocent blameless victims is complete bullshit and it's just so infuriating to me because it's the whole basis of what really to me feels like a pylon and it's it's tough for me i don't like pylons
1: but the part that's like jarring to me is bravo's omission of that of these things that are just on instagram but they're they're flashing the screenshots of jen i i think they i think andy hates jen and that's so been so apparent with her appearances on watch it happens live and i don't know why the i feel like the network doesn't give her her flowers for all the things she's doing and showing. And you see it in this moment where, like, on the show, they have yet to show any of those posts that you're referring to. That's public. We that's we could all get to it, like, and yet they're referring to this. They're just, like, highlighting this, like, crooked comment over and over again, which Joe is saying that she called him a crook, which she didn't.
0: Don't even get me started. She Yeah, she said, you're crooked family. So I guess you could infer from that she's calling them crooks. She doesn't use the word crook. But, like, first of all, I just want to say Jen has repeatedly tried to tell them <laughs> I was responding to you. And this is this is what I appreciate about Jen. If you go back to that fight, like at the Shore House, she literally said, yes, I was trying to hurt you. Yes, I was being spiteful. Like I was reacting to what you did. And I like I was spiteful. And for me, it's like that's more ownership than I see from any of these women. Like Margaret, if she could just own. Yeah, I, I like kind of like what you were saying. I came out here. I spread this rumor. I was being vindictive. You've hurt me. And I wanted to do something to get back at you. For me, I'm like, okay, like I can work with this, but it's for all of them, not just Margaret, Margaret, Jackie, to a certain extent, Melissa, it's like getting on this high horse as if they're blameless and they're not in the dirt, with Jen, like Jen's just the one in the dirt. They're all on the high, you know, on the high road. That's sort of what's infuriating to me. But to go back to the crooked comment, I just want to say, first of all, Joey is claiming he lost a deal because of that. He said that at the shore house. He's like, I had a deal fall through with someone because you accuse us of being crooks. First of all, I do not believe that for one second. I do not believe for one second that some partner, potential partner of Joey Gorga's, was on Melissa's Instagram, saw a comment within a comment where Jennifer Aiden said you're crooked family and because of that lost a deal. I No way do I believe that. So right there, he's just lying to further vilify Jen. But then on top of that, it's like he's going to get so up in arms about being called crooked. This is the man. And don't get me wrong. I, I kind of like Joey Gorga. Like, you know, I, I think he's funny. Like, whatever. But this is the man who it's been exposed that he was posting, like taking credit for renovations that he didn't do. On Instagram, like literally lying about renovation jobs that he didn't do. I mean, totally exposed. And I think he like went back and claimed it was a misunderstanding or something. But no, it wasn't a misunderstanding. You were misrepresenting jobs you didn't do as your jobs. And so I'm just sitting there like you're going to look at one offhand comment that Jennifer Aiden made in response to your wife making one of the most passive aggressive posts that she could ever make and try to fault her for your reputation now as someone who's not reputable rather than taking ownership of your actual outright lies that you've been caught in. I'm just like, get out of here with that.
1: Also his point to bill is that like, and I'm not saying this is the right point, but like he keeps saying to bill, like you should tell your wife when she's out of place, like blah, 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 blah. And it's like, okay, by your logic, like you should have done the same when Melissa just eviscerated Jen for absolutely no reason by your logic. Joe, like if your wife is acting out of line, you put her in her place. So, like where are you when Melissa is acting amok? Like, a like, and not needed post that she made on Instagram?
0: Completely unneeded. And Joe's logic never makes sense. I mean, on the one hand, he's saying he wants Bill to take his side, right? Like out of some sense of loyalty or obligation or doing the right thing. And it's like, Joe, you're asking him... To take your side out of loyalty against his own wife? Like, this doesn't make any sense. I mean, by your own code of honor, it's family first. So basically, you're saying you want Bill to turn on his own wife in order to fulfill some bro code? When it comes to Joey Gorga, it's clear, (laughs) much like Teresa. It's basically just, you got to be loyal to me. And if you're not, there's an issue. And he dresses it up in different ways. But that's fundamentally what it comes down to. And there's no rhyme or reason to it other than just you're speaking against me. Therefore, you're the devil.
1: They're all walking double standards, every single one of them. (laughs) I can't handle it sometimes.
0: Well, and so then that's the thing with Margaret where it's, you know, I think she keeps saying, you know, you've had so much to say about me and, you know, how my relationship with Joe started and sort of slut shaming me. Which, you know, I mean, it's true. Jen has had things to say about that. But to me, the reason why that falls short is my experience of their time on the show together. And you can weigh in on this or correct me if I'm wrong, is they've given it back and forth to each other. And yeah, has Jen said things about, you know, Margaret being a slut or whatever? Absolutely. Has Margaret called Jen a concubine? Absolutely. Did Margaret at one point, I forget what the exact comments were, but I remember there was that one season where Jen's brother was sort of getting into his arranged marriage. And Margaret had some comments that were uncomfortably, uh, I don't know what the right word is. Like it felt, I don't know if it's like, well, it,
1: it just like pointed at their culture. Like, yeah. like, like it would just was so derogatory towards like their traditions. And like that's, she she should have respected that more. Like that's the way a lot of, Jen's family. That's why Jen is here. Like that's why Jen is alive is because of arranged marriages. Like that's, that was her, even if you don't agree with it, like respect the way that maybe they navigate that. I don't know. It's and why is it Marge's business? But the thing with Margaret that really bothers me is that I don't think in general in life, like if we all just like open up about one thing, that doesn't give us the out to, Come for others. For, like, it's like, well, I've been open and honest about my life. So, like, why can't I come for yours? And it's like, that's not, to me, that's not a valid argument because, like, what do you want me to do? Like, pat you on the back for being open and honest about your marriage? Like, great. Like, good. That's, that's great that you did that. But, like, that doesn't mean that you get to, that doesn't give you a move.
0: I do want to say, though, my feeling is that Margaret has actually been hurt. By what Jen has said. Like, I think it hurts her when Jen comments on her relationship in that way. And I I do kind of get this feeling from Margaret that, look, I want to be clear, as far as like my own judgments, you know, I don't really have judgments about this situation. Clearly, Margaret and Joe fell in love. You know, I mean, they're in a long term marriage. So I'm assuming they were both unhappy in their respective relationships. Clearly, they met. I mean, look, do I think cheating is, uh, encouraged. No, in an ideal world, you're going to wait, right? You'll, you you know, you separate from the spouse, you come, you know, you let them know you want to separate and then you get together, but whatever. It's like Eileen Davidson. I mean, these are, these are clearly people. It wasn't just, Hey, I'm, I'm running around cheating indiscriminately for the sake of cheating. It's like they clearly met, fell in love and then embarked on a long-term relationship that's working for them. Right. So, you know, Go with that, Margaret. Like, go go with yourself. But I think Margaret really owns that. You know, and there's a way that she kind of walks with it where she's like, hey, we did what we did. There's nothing wrong with it. I get this sense that there's a way in which Margaret doesn't let herself feel the impact of how their relationship started. You know, perhaps on her ex-husband, perhaps even on herself. I, I mean, I've seen this before. I've worked with people who have been in similar situations where – like the relationship's ending, like they're deeply unhappy in the relationship, right? And then they either, it's like an emotional affair or they cheat for a bit. Um, and then they end the relationship and like the separation's happening. The divorce is happening. And there's a way in which when it's discussed, they seem at peace with everything. Cause it's like, yeah, I wasn't happy in it anyway. Yeah, it's ending now. We're doing the right thing now. Like the, the affair, the emotional affair was kind of a symptom of where we were at. But what's been interesting is I've seen situations where the deeper that we go, they start to actually feel the place where they have remorse for what they did because they understand even if they were unhappy in their marriage, even if their spouse was acting out in certain ways, they did something that deeply hurt the other person. And when they let themselves feel that, I've seen it. It takes them to a place of such remorse and contrition and a a regret for hurting someone else. Not that like you have to blame yourself or feel like you're this horrible person, but just ownership of, I did make a choice and it had an impact on someone else. And I feel bad about that. And I just get this sense that that's something Margaret maybe has never let herself feel and that she's kind of trying to walk with it in a certain way to protect against feeling certain feelings. And so when Jen comes in with that judgment I just get the sense that it maybe hurts her more than she wants to let on, that it takes her to a place of feeling hurt and it takes her to a place of pain and she doesn't want to own that. So instead of kind of acknowledging that vulnerability of like, yeah, you are hitting something tender in me, like there is a place in me where I feel bad about what I did or I feel like I did something shitty. I don't want to feel that all the way. So instead... I'm just going to get super pissed at you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely right about all of that. I also think another little aspect of her anger is I think there's a lot of deep... She went into it a bit in another season. I can't remember which one, but her relationship with her mom, Marge with Marge Sr. and her childhood. And there was something that I think really switched in her brain when Jen called her mom a slut. I think that there is something that really because she talked a lot about how her mom was just out and about a lot when they were growing up, like bringing guys home and all this stuff. And like that, maybe that was a source of something that really either embarrassed her or hurt her. And that for Jen to like go there, I think really hit her in a spot where she wasn't necessarily expecting where the spot of of her cheating scandal is almost expected in ways like that's an easy thing to come for her for because she's been so open about it but jen hitting her in a spot that maybe jen didn't even realize was so vulnerable i think that could also be another big catalyst for her Coming for Jen so hard.
0: Well, as you say that, what comes to me is I kind of wonder if part of it is because Margaret also has that voice in her towards her mother of like you fucking slut. Like in the place where, you know, because Margaret's talked about how her mom's needs came first. You know, Margaret had to be the mom. So I can imagine in that kind of dynamic where your needs aren't getting met and you're having this self-involved mother who's all about herself and the good times and the guys, you know, absolutely. I could imagine a place where, you know, you're pissed, you're angry, and there's kind of a voice in you saying like, fuck you, you fucking slut, like be a mom. And, you know, that that's a voice that Margaret wouldn't want to let herself know all the way. And I think it's interesting because, you know, what I was also thinking about, what I've sort of felt before, and this kind of connects with what we were talking about in terms of the mirror reflection that Melissa might be seeing in Jen is I think for Margaret, there's a way in which she has really built an identity around, yeah, being a strong, independent woman, like that really matters to her, and I think, and I think a lot of that obviously has to do with her upbringing, you know and and having you know, to be the adult and, and like, you know, there was no one indulging her needs. She had to kind of do it on her own. Right. And so I think there's a part of her kind of like it's interesting. It's a similar flavor in the same way that I feel like there's a part of her that maybe doesn't want to feel the impact of her choice to cheat. It's almost like I feel as part of her that maybe doesn't want to feel the impact of having been a woman who's had to like do it on her own all this time. So she she wears it like a virtue. I'm an independent. I'm strong. I do it on my own. But that there's likely a part of her inside that's so deeply wanted to be taken care of and wants to be taken care of. And so then when she looks at Jen and she sees this woman who, again, kind of almost to like a distorted degree or makes a spectacle out of it, is like, I let myself be the spoiled princess. I'm the woman who's taken care of by a man. He takes care of me. He pampers me. He does it all for me and I love it and I make a show of it. I could see where in Margaret, like it would trigger something, you know, in the place where she's never had anyone to take care of her and in the place where she might want someone to be taking care of her and in the place where she would never want to let herself know that some part of her wants someone to take care of her. Because again, there's just that deeper vulnerability that I feel like she hasn't felt permission to feel.
1: Well, I think she was her like truest self in that moment where Jen is like sitting on the couch, like crying around the bread sculptures in Dolores' lunch. And she's just like, get up, stop, pull yourself together. When she said that to Jen, I'm like, oh, this is her. Like, this is her conversation with herself. Like, get your ass, in the words of Kim Kardashian, get your ass up and go to work. I mean, she's just like, get up, like, pull yourself together. Don't look so ridiculous. Like, come on. Marge, like that's not how everyone navigates this world. And just because you are so open about what's happened in your life as a defense mechanism almost, right? Like not everyone navigates things that way. And in the end, you did reveal something to Jen and she has to to still go to her job, which is the show because she needs the check. And she doesn't know how she's going to navigate a season about something that her own mother and father didn't even know about.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because like as we're talking, I feel like there's been such a long history of Margaret not really wanting to feel her impact on other people. And I've almost not even really had a name for it until like just now, like that feels like the language for it. Like, I'm just thinking so I'm someone everyone loves Margaret talked about this before. I've never fully trusted Margaret. I've never gotten fully on board with her, mostly because of what we're talking about that I felt like there's a way she presents. That is not true to what's going on underneath. And I, I really want to be clear about that. I don't care that Margaret has vindictive rage towards Jen. That's humanity. What I care about, and it probably says something about me, like why am I triggered by this? But what I care about is Having that vindictive rage, but then pretending that you're taking the high road. Like, that's what gets me irked. But, you know, part of why I didn't trust Margaret from the beginning is I remember her first season, right? She was brought onto the show by Siggy. And if you remember, they went to Florida, right? And that's where things started breaking down between Siggy and the other women. Because Siggy admittedly was acting very erratically around this cake situation. Um and so none of this is in defense of Siggy. Siggy, we all know she's problematic, but you know, Siggy was clearly <laughs> deeply upset and in distress. And I just remember Margaret theoretically in the world of the show, she was brought on the show by Siggy. She was a guest in Florida of Siggy's. Siggy is breaking down. She's having strife and conflict with the women. And I just who she has pre-existing relationships with like Margaret's the Mm -hmm. new girl. And I remember watching Margaret literally make fun of Siggy's tears, calling her soggy flicker, joining in with the other woman. And I remember taking that in being like, I I was just like, that's a choice. (laughs) I mean, that's a choice. I mean, again, if it's me, if Tom, if you, if you invite me into a circle of people and we go on a trip together and yeah, you're acting like strangely and being difficult and dramatic and everyone's mad at you. It's still a choice for me to look at that situation and one, not be a peacemaker, two, not abstain from the situation, but three, I'm actually going to go in and actively make fun of you and call you names. And I just remember thinking like that to me says something. And anyways, the reason why I'm saying all this is I remember when she and Siggy kind of made up for the first time and they had this breakfast at some diner. I just remember Margaret didn't take responsibility for what she did. And I remember kind of Siggy sitting there kind of trying to articulate something. And again, it's hard because Siggy is her own worst enemy and she's dramatic and she makes things so much worse for herself. But there was something Siggy was saying, which was like, you were making fun of me. You were calling me names. Like you were piling on for no reason. And I just remember Margaret wouldn't take it in. And I remember they got to kind of some bullshit resolution. And Margaret was like, oh, this is great. We're like, you know, we're like friends again. And it just struck me like there's something about this where you're skirting around what you did and then acting like everything's cool. And so what I'm saying is I feel like for as long as she's been on the show, there's been this way where Margaret wants to act how she wants to act. And she wants to take things out on people the way she wants to take things out on people. And she doesn't want to take in the impact of her words or actions at all. And I just think that's interesting because we're seeing it this season. She's refusing to take in the impact of what she's done.
1: Right. And also something weird about that, her entrance on the show, too, is she always is, like, playing a game, too, a bit. Because, like, remember that she, like, got Teresa that, like... Bizarre, like flower float that they like floated off into the ocean for her mom, and like she had never really met her before, and she was giving Teresa all this grace, like, but not Siggy who brought her into the show, right? And it feels bizarre because it's like, why are you doing this? And innately, she's doing it because of the television program, like, and she knows that Teresa, it's important to be on Teresa's good side. Like, I don't know. There's a bit of a manipulative nature.
0: So like that whole trip, I I had forgotten about all of that. No, I'm glad you brought that up because I mean, I was also going to say similar to Melissa. I think part of what Margaret also doesn't like in Jen, again, is that she makes visible, well, both playing the show, you know what I mean? The machinations of the housewife, but also because there is this clearly there is a vindictive side to Margaret. And I mean, we saw that with Danielle. I mean, and, and don't get me wrong. I was on Margaret's side in terms of, you know, she was showing up for Danielle with her wedding ceremony. Danielle went crazy. Totally on Margaret's side through all that. That was wild. That
1: was wild. I forgot about that, too.
0: But then you saw, I mean, you saw how deeply Margaret internalized it. And what does she do? She goes around the next season and literally befriends Danielle's, like, soon-to-be ex, right, Marty, inserts herself in Danielle's divorce literally and this is a man by the way she pushed into a pool and that was funny so i mean again that's something i always kind of talk about like i know everyone thinks that's cute and funny i always looked at that and was like you push someone into a pool like that's i don't think that's really cool i think if it weren't marty and if it weren't someone connected to danielle i don't know how people would be feeling about that to be honest but you know regardless you pushed this guy into a pool last season. Now you're cozying up to him. And not only are you cozying up to him, you're literally trying to paint Danielle as 100% responsible for their like relationship and saying, "Ah, oh, that woman got between you and your children. And I'm just sitting there like, wait, Margaret's supposed to be the level-headed one who everyone stands? Like, she's literally trying to blame Danielle for the fact that Marty clearly made choices in his relationship with Danielle that alienated his children and she's trying to now like pin that all on Danielle and she's sitting there with Marty literally saying you're not getting back together with that woman and I guess again I just bring this all up because there are these examples throughout her run on the show of a true vindictive rage like when margaret feels hurt or misunderstood she goes for the jugular and so again i'm just bringing this up in terms of like i think what she sees in jen like jen as we all know can be this reactive person who will go for the jugular when she's hurt she goes for that swipe but again she's very visible in it she doesn't hide it And I think Margaret likes to hide her hand a lot more. I think part of it, she does it by punching down, but she likes to hide her hand a lot more. And I wonder if that's also part of just what triggers her about Jen is that, again, Jen's making very visible something that Margaret likes to keep a little bit more under wraps.
1: I think you're absolutely right. I think in the end, she doesn't leave space for others. Like she doesn't leave space for the way other people process things like Everything is like. Unfortunately, I have a similar aspect to myself. Sometimes, like I can sometimes tell my friends to get over something, and it's like, well, that's not really helpful. Like because I am someone who likes to like address things, and like that works for me a lot of the time, but doesn't always work for everyone else. And something I've had to learn in my both my relationships with my family as well as my romantic relationships is like I have to let other people process things in their own time, even when that's not on the same time frame that. I myself is convenient for me, and I think with her, she just like doesn't understand how others can perceive things. She perceives everything as as her way like I don't think she she knew that she was being calculated almost. I think that's like do you think she really like do you think she really thought about that? Pardon me, think she didn't That's just like the way she navigates life.
0: No, yeah, I think she felt genuinely justified in what she was doing, but that's what for me makes it so toxic. she's taking this high road not realizing she doesn't have a high road here. She's being vindictive and she's making people into monsters simply because they hurt her. And um, yeah, I think to your point, it's like, I don't think, I don't think she creates space for her own tears and feelings. Kind of like what you were saying, get up, get back to work. There's no room for this. There was no room for Margaret to have her feelings growing up. We know that much. She had to be the adult. So it's sort of like she won't create space for her own vulnerability, her own needs, her own wants. She's created this currency in her strength and her independence. But I think in that place where she disowns all that, when she gets hurt and when she gets misunderstood, and by the way, I'll say this, I think I did a video about this on Instagram. I really felt like part of the reason why she was so enraged with Danielle was because of this voice that says, like, don't you see how hard I'm trying? I was showing up for you. I was trying so hard to help you. with you. I had good intentions and you're not seeing them and you're making me the bad guy. And so to me, I was like, this just feels like so much of what went on with her mother. It's like, don't you see how hard I'm trying? And in the place where those good intentions get missed, she just becomes enraged And yes, it is vindictive and she does have it out for these people, but she convinces herself, no, I'm the good person here. I'm just doing what's right. You're the hypocrite. You're the bad person. And again, that to me is what makes it so dangerous and makes it so triggering because truly, and I don't know, I mean, as someone, I don't, it doesn't sound like you've been like a Jen Aiden fan. I'm a little biased because I've liked her. I just, when I look back on the show, I just don't see what she's done that's been that out of the box compared to the rest of the women. Maybe that moment where she broke the glass her first season, like that was pretty over the top. But other than that,
1: my biggest pet peeve in a housewife is when I feel they're performing or laying it on thick, like for the show. I, I love when my favorite characters on these shows are the ones that are, would, would behave these ways if the camera wasn't on sort of like, i believe and you may disagree with me on this like i believe that karen huger like operates like she is the grand dame of like every space she walks into and like i think she says those things that she says on camera that are hilarious just to like check out person at the local like tj maxx like i think she really is that human being even though it feels a bit i know some would say it feels a bit put on like she's like this character i actually believe her that that's her with Jen, you've convinced me a bit, I will say. Like, I put a new perspective on her. But there's just some things, especially early on, that I just feel that we're so laid on thick for the show. And I think that she really does not perform well in a reunion. I think when you were saying that you don't like the gang up thing, and I, she ends up being the person that they gang up on a lot because she is like out there and says things, and but she doesn't perform well when pushed into a corner. And I don't know a reunion where she's come across likable. Like, even last season, I was having fun with her. And then the reunion rolled around and I was like, what the
0: hell is happening? Like, Yeah, no, reunions are her worst look. I mean, I think, you know, it's funny because there was this moment in the Jersey Shore fight. Like, there was a precise moment where I was like, Jen... This is where you lost the plot. Like she she was handling herself and she was explaining it. And she was like, look, I was just reacting to you and I wanted to hurt you. And And then I don't know. I don't know what someone said, but it was that moment where she was like, and then Joey comes in like a girly little bitch. And I was like, no, Jen, like, why, why, why did you have to go there? Because it's like those are the moments where she gives them the ammunition and those are the moments where she helps them write the story. And it's it kills me because I really I experience Jen as a smart, perceptive, not all the time, but at times emotionally intelligent woman. Cause the thing is, this is an archetype on the Housewives, right? The woman who, when she feels backed into a corner, is just gonna go for the jugular. So it's Brandy Glanville, it's Kelly Dodd. Like if you what did she say? If you throw a bomb at me, I'm gonna throw a nuke. But for me, with Brandi Glanville and Kelly Dodd. They just feel very mentally unwell in a lot of ways. And so it's just like, oh, God, like, go and get help and, like, do what you need to do. I get frustrated with Jen because I I feel so much, like, great raw material in her. And I do feel so much sincerity. I think she loves her. Like, I just feel... Again, call me crazy. I know a lot of people are going to disagree. I feel like there's something fundamentally good about her. And and so it just kind of kills me when she so easily falls prey to these moments where, yes, clearly she feels attacked. She feels hurt. Her ego is wounded. And then she just comes out of left field. With these ridiculous comments that are kind of like her bid for control or power. And to your point, it's so strange because what we're seeing this season is she does actually have a capacity to drop in and be with her feelings of vulnerability. Like, again, I, I kind of love that about her this season. I love that she's showing up to these events. She's being true to how she's feeling. She's not trying to like puff her chest up. She's not coming in hot at all. And maybe it took something like this that was just so big to like get her to this more undefended point. Although as I'm saying this, I have to remind myself then at the Jersey Shore, she makes the comment about Joey Gorga. I don't know what that was about. Maybe it was because they were coming in so hot and heavy towards her all at once. But, you know, to your point, no, absolutely. She gets cornered or her ego is bruised and she comes out fighting in the worst way and she is her own worst enemy. And if there were one thing that I could, like, change for her, I just wish she didn't give in to those moments.
1: Well, the thing I think that works about the show in general just overall, with all these women that we've, like, dove into, right, is that they all still kind of need this show. And that's why they show up. And that's why they, like, work for their relationships and all that stuff. I think that... uh, It's not to say that they're desperate for it. It's just a different world than beverly hills is or like new york is or atlanta maybe like i feel that all these women need the income of the show and are willing to make their relationships work for the show so they can like continue what they have going
0: yeah that's also what i love i mean it's been horrible the last few seasons but typically that's what i love about orange county
1: that's what was so good about it you need that desperation it makes it work
0: yeah, because it's like they're not too big for their britches. They're not too good for the show. And so then they're willing to put it all out there. And so I've Orange County has always been my favorite franchise. And that's been one of the main reasons it exists. Yeah, they're big fishes in a small pond. And because of that, it's like you just get kind of a flavor. Like you're saying, they're game. You know what I mean? And they're never going to pull a NeNe. They're never going to pull a Lisa Vanderpump. They're never going to be Bethany. They're never going to be too good for the show. It's like they need it. They want it.
1: The women you would have just mentioned would have left the show if if what happened to Jen happened to them in the beginning of the season.
0: Well, and I think one other thing I want to say, it's like, you know, because we brought up the fact that Jen didn't deny what Bill did and, you know, obviously cop to it. And I just wonder, Tom, on some level, I'm speaking to the unconscious now. In this place where Jen has really been on a journey, because also remember her first season, one of the big things about that first season was Bill was kind of disengaged and dismissive of her. And if you remember, he kind of had a wake-up call watching the show, and then their relationship improved. So from the very beginning, there's been a sort of trajectory with her. And this is what I love the most about the housewives and sometimes when I worry about What I'm participating in, I remind myself that one of the great things about this show is that it really does give certain women an opportunity to kind of really step out of this role of the more subservient traditional housewife into her own power and into more equal relationships. And I think that's been true of Jen all along. And I just wonder on the level of the unconscious, if there was something in her when this opened up and Margaret threw it out there, that there was something in her ready to take this plunge into like a deeper level of reality in their marriage for the sake of having an opportunity to finally drop the act more fully and own some of the underground anger and resentment that she's never had a chance to own. Again, I'm speaking on the unconscious level. This is me getting very psycho-spiritual. But, you know, in the place where we kind of have our unconscious higher self acting for us, like, I really do wonder if there was something in Jen that was just like, I'm ready to get realer in my marriage. And there's an opportunity for me to do that here. And so Margaret's bringing this up. And it's like, yep, he did. Let's go.
1: That's it. I mean, like, I think that's exactly what happened in that beginning moment
0: tired of the facade as those are the words i just heard i'm tired of the facade
1: i agree i think you really like just i think that was perfect
0: the last thing i'll say just to kind of wrap up what we've explored i'm curious your take on this because you mentioned margaret buying the flower display for teresa which i totally forgot about it's interesting sometimes when i take in margaret's relationship to teresa which i think we all know has been incredibly permissive (laughs) and forgiving given some of the stuff that's gone down on the show i sometimes get this sense that there is a way in a place that margaret hates teresa like hates her for being the queen bee hates her for being the star of the show hates her for having to feel like she has to kowtow to her In some way, like that there's this bind for Margaret where, like you said, she knows Teresa's the star of the show and the show matters so much to her and her own stardom matters so much to her. And so it's like some part of her knows she has to go along with Teresa in order to fan the flame of her own stardom. But in that place where Margaret kind of wants to be the star, sometimes I just wonder, I'm not saying it's all of her. But in the place where multiple things can be true at once, sometimes I just wonder if Margaret fucking hates Teresa.
1: She wants to be number one on the call sheet eventually. Margaret does, don't you think?
0: That's, I mean, that's my sense. And she, she never will be on the show.
1: She won't. Maybe It'll never happen. Teresa's never going to leave. And, like The show will be done when Teresa's done, I think, at this point.
0: I think that's the last thing I'll say, too, is just I'm so fascinated by Teresa's relationship to the show at this point. Because it really is like, as you said earlier, it's what she needs to do to keep the engine going. And you can kind of tell she's over it, but she's a slave to it. And there's just something about watching that evolution because, you know, when Teresa first came on, she was having fun. She was ready to go. You know what I mean? She she was ready to be the star, just like we're saying. And you can just see she does not care about being the star of the show anymore. And yet it it is her job. And it's what she has to do.
1: We're watching a woman at work.
0: (laughs) And it's interesting because when you say that, normally you would think that would be a recipe for disaster. And yet for some reason, I find it so fascinating to watch
1: i agree i completely agree she's just she's endlessly watchable even as she tries to control the narrative because she's not good at it that's it, what that's what works is she's not good at any of it the cameras catch her on it
0: it's like vicky it's like when vicky was trying to control the narrative with the brooks it's like she's so bad at controlling the narrative because she wears everything so clearly and visibly on her sleeve And she's so guileless. It's there's no way that either someone like Vicky or Teresa are ever going to get away. Like they're not Melissa. You know, they do not know how to do things covertly and from the sidelines. They don't. All right, Tom. Well, I feel like we traversed a lot. we talked about so much. (laughs) Do you have any last comments or I don't know, nagging threads, anything you need to get out there?
1: I don't think so. I, I really don't. I mean, I think we touched on it all. I mean, these women are endlessly captivating to me. I love the resurgence of Jersey, like in the last five years. It's, I think it's really found its own new era. And I, I, and I think Jackie and Jen love them, hate them. They were wonderful, necessary presences on
0: the show. So. All right. Great. Well, tell everyone where they can and should find you.
1: Yes, uh, you can follow me at the Tom Hamlet on IG. And then the podcast I host with my sister is called Dumpster Dive. Uh, we dive into Bravo some other reality television like to kind of figure out where people's
0: journey with reality television began Um, and you can find that everywhere podcasts are heard great and as always you can find me on Instagram Jamie Stein J-A-M-I-E-S-T-E-I-N and if you're interested in my work you can head to my website hollywoodreadings.com I I have been putting a pause on booking new appointments because my schedule got full but I will soon be opening it back up so like I said if you're interested send me email, let me know. And as always, thank you guys for being here and I will see you next time. Bye.